We're going to do something a little different today. Um, we are, this is the first week of Advent, and the word Advent means coming. And so we celebrate this time of year with a kind of a double meaning. Um, well, not kind of, a double meaning. Uh, recognizing that Jesus has come and that Jesus is coming again. And so uh, we get to look at uh, several of the scriptures uh, during this Advent season that are looking forward to Jesus' coming uh, and also celebrating that Jesus has come. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Jesus has come. Jesus. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Jesus is coming again. Okay, that's the outline for the sermon. You can write that down. That's, that's going to be right in there. But today is going to be different because we are going to look at an entire book of the Bible. We're going to look at the book of Ezekiel, 48 chapters. Did anybody bring a lunch with them? Because I'm just kidding. We won't be long. There's a, a, a video that's come out recently called This is America. Uh, and it's both heralded and also very controversial. Uh, the, the artist uh, uses the name uh, Childish Gambino, uh, but his real name is uh, Donald Glover. And some of you may have seen him. He was Lando Calrissian in the latest Star Wars movie. Um, and uh, he is a writer. He is a, a poet. He's, he writes for, for different uh, TV, TV shows. Uh, he sings. He, is, uh, he dances. He is an uber-talented guy. And so he's created this video that, that has uh, gotten national attention. And it is, uh, it is a unique piece. Uh, it, it, it has dancing and singing and uh, very interesting music lines. Um, it is also full of uh, social commentary. Um, it is at times beautiful and at times graphically violent. Um, it is uh, full of um, very mundane pictures and then very kind of clever, interesting pictures. There, there are so many things going on in this piece that you almost have to have, like, get cliff notes to understand what's really going on. So after you leave that, you kind of go, what did I just watch? Uh, it is both uh, artistic and also disturbing at the same time. What's done in that five-minute video pales in comparison to the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, you see graphic violence. You see beauty. You see glory. You see street art. It is an amazing work of God. So we're going to look at the book of Ezekiel today. Start in chapter 1. Let me give you a little context. This, the, the history is very important in this. Ezekiel is, I'd say a priest. He's really, he's in a priestly line. He is due to be a priest. And he is in Israel, in Jerusalem, and there's the backstory to that is that they are in the time of exile. 
So the children of Israel have continued to disobey God, and they are now under God's judgment. And if you look at all the, the, the lead up to this, God has continually said to them, you need to turn from your ways, you need to turn from your ways. It, it, ad, ad nauseum, it, it just becomes overwhelming because God keeps saying the same thing to them, and there isn't a turning back to God, not in a real sense. There, there are bits and spurts, but never, never wholeheartedly to God. And so if you're, as you're reading this, you're kind of going, like, is this going to go on forever? <laughs> this is miserable, you know? Like, can you even call these people the children of God? They, they don't obey him. They don't follow him. They don't seem to love him. And so that's, all of this is happening, and God is saying, I am going to judge you. I'm going to send you away. And so this is what happens. Ezekiel is part of one of these waves that has gone to the uh, satanic overlords, the Babylonians. And so he leaves when he's 25 years old. And it is now five years later. And Ezekiel starts out, his book starts out with him in the 13th year, on the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month. He said, I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal. So he's, he's by this, you know, kind of open ditch. And it, the timing of us tells us that it's his fifth, his, his, uh, his 30th birthday. It's five years later. And this is the day that he would be, if he was at home, he would be moving, in, he would be taking his priestly rites. And he would be uh, brought in as a priest. So this was going to be the day. This was going to be the day in which he got to celebrate his birthday cake in the temple. And that he would, he would assume his place in God's order for the people of Israel. It's going to be a great day. But where does he find himself? He finds himself on the side of a ditch with no birthday cake. He's among a bunch of exiles who have nothing. There's not like the UN that's taking care of these folks, by the way. They are scratching to make an existence. They are God's people overwhelmed by these overlords. And so he is on this bank. What, What is he looking for? I imagine he's gone there to have a pity party. Because there doesn't seem to be much to look forward to. There does not seem to be the hope that he's found that, uh, previously. That there's no hope there. And, and so he's sitting there on this miserable day. And that's when it begins. This is where our story begins. As he's sitting there, he sees in a distance a cloud coming. And there's lightning and there's smoke and there's all this noise. And there's these creatures that are coming uh, and he sees them coming, and they're coming with in, in burnished bronze. They have wings. They have four faces of creature, three creatures in one man's face, and they are they are coming towards him. And it is this powerful, glorious, awesome, fearful thing. Doesn't know what to make of it. Let's read some verses together and hear what happens. Verse 15. Now, as I looked. At the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them, four creatures. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, 
Their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in, uh, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. Are you picturing this? And their rims were tall and awesome. And the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, those, uh, these stood. And when they, these rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them of the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was a lightness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. It's like a table. And under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight one towards another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty. A sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse, above their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse, over their heads, there was the lightness of a throne. And the appearance like sapphire. And seated above the lightness of a throne was a lightness with a human appearance. And upward from that, what had the appearance of his waist, I saw it as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud of the day of the rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Wow. That is, if the word awesome should be used, this is the time. What is this? It is the presence of God. He's on the bank. And here comes the presence of God. Did you catch it? There are, there are angels with their wings. There's four of them, and they're touching. Okay, great theologians. What other places do we see wings on four corners touching each other? The mercy seat or the Ark of the Covenants, right? The very presence of God. And so here they are like this, and they're coming down, and they're on this table, and there are four corners. And when we hear about four corners, that reminds us of the four corners of the earth. Right, because these wheels, they're turning in all directions, and they're, the, 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 
the, uh, the, the creatures are staying still, but whatever it moves, they're moving and being still on top. And it's going for the four corners of the earth. And they are moving about. And God's glory is everywhere. And there's someone who is seated on a throne who appears as a man on the throne. Are you, are you, are you seeing this? And it is glorious. And it is awesome. And these creatures almost defy description. You know, as I try to look at some pictures of what it might look like, you know, every time I look at a picture, I go, oh my gosh, that's not even close. That even, isn't even a description. And I looked at a lot of pictures. This is the best thing I could find. It is a glorious and awesome sight. It would be enough just to have this picture. But what's really interesting is where he's seeing this. Where is he? He's in the ditch, right? He's in the ditch. He's in Babylon. Where is the presence of God supposed to be? It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be over Jerusalem. It's supposed to be in heaven. But in Babylon? So on this pity party day, God shows up. I mean, it's just loud and frightening and glorious at the same time. It's overwhelming. It's awesome. So God speaks to him in this vision, and, and he's overwhelmed by it. He's calling Ezekiel to stand up, and he speaks with him, and he gives him instructions, and then the vision's over. So he, he, he tells our man here, Oh, pardon me, I'm gonna get, I think I'll get my notes. <laughs> this could be a really short sermon. He begins to, to present God's message in a very unique way. The next several chapters, we see that, that God is telling him there's going to be judgment for Israel. There's not just going to be judgment for Israel. There'll be a judgment for Babylon. And so then he tells him, I want you to go and I want you to share these messages with the children of Israel. So he, he goes into Babylon and he does this street kind of art. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. But one thing he does is he cuts off all this hair and then he throws it up in the air, and he starts cutting with the sword. Okay. There's that guy, you know. And he begins to tell the children of Israel how they have failed God, how they are, they're not honoring to him, that God's judgment is coming, prophet kind of stuff. And then, then he binds himself and lays on his side, as if he is the sacrificial lamb. But he doesn't do it just for one day. He does it for over a year, just sitting out there. To make this even more interesting, he takes, I don't know how to say this, poop. <laughs> and he uses his own to build a fire and cook his food over, his bread. 
that guy. And he's doing this every day for over a year. And what he's telling the children of Israel is that you exiles, we have, we have forgotten who God is. We need to turn to God. And they are thinking, you are crazy. God has told him, this is going to be a hard task. You know, one thing that happens is you watch This Is America. In fact, maybe we should title this message, This Is Israel. <laughs> the one thing that happens after you watch that Whatever you felt like about racial issues before, at the end of watching that, you feel even more like you did, stronger the way you felt before you watched it. I want you to catch that. That was my sense. That if, if whatever attitude you have, it cemented it and made it even a stronger feeling. And I feel like this is what's happening here. As he is giving this message, as he's giving social commentaries, as, as along, he's saying this is the social injustice. Because you don't honor God, because you don't love him, you don't love other people. And there's all kinds of things that are failing in our community, and it's your fault. And so there are those who beforehand were thinking that already, I'm sure, and they said, yes! I don't know if there were very many of those. But everyone else said, you are a jerk. Why are you talking like that? And whatever disobedience in their hearts, I think, just gained even greater strength. And I, I believe they, they, they hated him and his message, and maybe they even hated God. God tells them, I'm going to have you go do these things, and then they're not going to listen. And that's what happened. That's a terrible job, isn't it? Ezekiel. So he preaches, he, he suffers, and no one's listening. Hard hearts. Stone cold. One of the visions that he has then, the second vision he has, he sees Jerusalem. And so there are still people in Jerusalem. But when he sees Jerusalem, he sees that in the temple, they have erected two different statues. And the, there, uh, there's a group worshiping, th you're worshiping this and this statue and a, a group of women worshiping this other statue. And, and it is an abomination. And then he sees the same thing he saw on the canal, this presence of the Almighty of God. He sees it hovering over Jerusalem. And what does it do? It departs. This takes your breath away. Like everything that had been leading up to said that, that these were God's people. This was his holy place. This is, David brought, the, brought in the, uh, the, the, uh, the ark. Uh, and we see the, the presence of, of God in that place. And now, gone. Is it finished? It's miserable. Chapter 37. Look how quickly we're going. But in chapter 37, there's another vision. And in this vision, there is this valley of bones, full of bones. And then there comes a wind. Blows through the valley. 
or the top of the bones. And then he sees the bones. And another bone come together, and the bones begin to rise. This is not Pirates of the Caribbean, by the way. It predates. And then there becomes sinew and flesh began to cover these bones. And a whole army raises from the dead to the dry bones. And when I say dry bones, I mean like not just dead, but like dusty. this army marches. The spirit of God, Ruah, wind, spirit, Holy Spirit, all of those are found in one word, Ruah, in the Hebrew. Can you hear it? Ruah. And those bones take on life. You see, within all of this doom and gloom, there is hope for the people of God. That God is going to do a new thing. And that which was dead, that which was dusty and dry, which was gone with no hope and no life, that the Spirit of God would come and raise up a new army, a new people that had living hearts, no longer hard, but now soft for the things of God. This was the promise found in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was coming to give us life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the... I bring dead bones alive spiritually dead. You see, that's what the people in the time of Ezekiel needed. Their hearts were hard. They continued to disobey. It seemed like there would never be an answer that God was going to have to depart from his people. But what God is saying is, I'm going to do something new. I'm coming in my spirit to change everything. And that's what he did. That's what he did. Jesus has come. Let me prove it to you. I mean, for you, uh, the new heart. So, you know, when Jesus is preaching, we, we talked about this in Luke three, four weeks ago, when the lawyer says, then, what should I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, reminds him of the law. Now, he was very familiar with the law, as, as well as the people in the time of Ezekiel. They knew the law, but they still had hard hearts. And so the man says then, well, tell me who my neighbor is to justify himself. And Jesus is saying, you got it all wrong. He tells the story of the Samaritan. Disturbing story for him of the Samaritan because he was pointing out that you still have a hard heart. But Jesus was to come and he was going to give a new kind of heart. So now that he says, when you, when you wonder about who you should love, Jesus says, I tell you, uh, don't hate your enemy. You are to love your enemy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, that's what happens when you have a new heart. You like you have enough to love your enemy. When you see your enemy is hurt, when your enemy is hungry, you give them something to drink and something to eat. Because you have a new heart that supersedes the, the thoughts you had about the law. It is the fulfillment of the law. I'm going to give you a heart. Tin man. And you will be alive, and it will be a miracle. That's beautiful, isn't it? 
Jesus has come, my friends. And if you look around the world, there are billions in the army. That could only happen. That could only happen if the Spirit of God had come. We would only see that if the Spirit of God had come. And He has come. We could end there. We could just have our little. But there's more. A few chapters later, we see a guy come in. He's all ragtag. I said, what are you doing? He said, I just came from Jerusalem. Tell us a report from Jerusalem. He looks bad. They destroyed it. Desecrated it. The temple's gone. It's fallen. And there's, there's no home. There's no home for us to go back to. It's lost. Everything will be no more. This is America. This is Israel. But the good news is there's a third. This is the kingdom. In chapter 43, verses 1 through 4, Ezekiel has one more vision. Then he led me to the gate, verses 1 through 4, chapter 43. And then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters. The earth shone with his glory. And the vision I saw was just like the vision that I had seen when he came to destroy the city. And just like the vision that I had seen by the Chabar Canal... And I fell on my face as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east. He's a picture of Israel again. The spirit left, lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Did you catch that? Back to Jerusalem again. And this time, as we see this description later on, Jerusalem has changed its much better than it is now. It's much better than even in the time uh, of Herod or in the time of Solomon. The temple is better. It's bigger. It's more glorious. It's more beautiful. And so he's seeing something that is yet to come, and he sees now the presence of God coming once again to Jerusalem, that God is going to put his presence there once again. Now, you may be sitting here going, well, what do I care about that? I mean, I haven't even gone to visit. I don't know. Why do I care what the glory of God's in Jerusalem? This is the reason. We did, when, when, when Ezekiel was hearing about dry bones, could he ever imagine it? it was Jesus? No, he had no idea what that's going to be like. But we know, we go, that was awesome. But now we look forward to what is yet to come, the Spirit of God coming in Jerusalem again. And, and all we know is it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it is going to be glorious. So the, what happens is the Spirit of God comes on the temple and fills the temple once again. And then from the, from the, the, the opening, the, the front doors of the temple comes a little trickle of water, a spring. 
And the spring then begins to trickle out and go down the stairs. And, it, and then it gets a little bit more and it becomes a, a, you know, a stream of water. And it goes through the, the temple gates and the city gates. And then it goes down further down into the Dead Sea. It, you know, Dead Sea just didn't come dead recently, by the way. This isn't global warming. It's always been dead. There's nothing swimming around in there. They're just tourists. That's it. It's dead. Nothing grows there. It's dead. The water trickles down and becomes a current and begins to fill the Dead Sea. And as the Dead Sea begins to fill up, there becomes vegetation that starts growing up. Where there's something that was dead, there's something now that is alive. And, and there are palm trees growing up, and there are, there are hippos, and there's all kinds of animals that are swimming around. And Don't mess with the hippos, by the way. That's when the tourism stops, right there. But it is a glorious, it is a place of life. It is rejuvenated. That which was dead has come alive. Jesus is coming again. And for whatever good we have right now, there's something that's even better. It's the best still to come. So we wait for him. Because things are only going to be more glorious and we will be with him. We will be with these pictures are going to be pale so badly. We're going to be embarrassed. We've been putting them up on the screen. Because when we behold the glory of God, it's going to be awesome. Jesus has come. Jesus is coming again. And this is the kingdom.